Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Niall Barker. Way back for more. Aye. Yes, one of our um, highest mileage team truck and driver correspondents. Niall, you are usually uh, traversing the length and breadth of the country, so what you've been up to um, over the last few weeks where... Well, I don't know what it's been like for where you are, I know you're in the north of England, but it was beautiful all of June with gorgeous sunshine and the jet streams changed and it's pissed it with rain every day pretty much during July in Scotland. It's been miserable. Yeah, yeah, same same here. It was uh, lovely in June. I got I did a I did a couple of shows in June and I got quite sunburnt there and uh, I've uh, well, I did a I did a show this last weekend with the ARFs and it was uh, quite wet and boggy. A few of us had to get towed out. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, this consistent rain now, I mean, it must be winding the farmers up as well because they're going to start sinking in the fields and nobody able to get cuts done on things. But as as the rain goes on continuously, then all the fields for these events, your, you know, truck shows and steam rallies start to uh, get more and more uh, difficult to get stuff in and out of. So where were you? Was that a classic event? Yeah, yeah. I'll need to look back. The couple I did... I did... Uh... Rip and Tract Fest in June, followed by uh, Kelsall Steam Rally, which was bacon. And then I've just recently got back from uh, Massam Steam Rally. How big are these steam... There's loads of steam rallies on over the course of the summer. And that. What, were they, what were they like? Was there like a mix of um, sort of trucks, tractors, kind of your old stationary engine guys, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Kelsall was quite massive. I was quite overwhelmed with that, although... Well, Kelso was basically just a truck show with a few steam engines there, and uh, Massam it was a steam rally with a few trucks there. Like you can, mm-hmm. how many ER, you know, how many ERFs were at Kelso? Uh, I actually went to see the guy at Revs. They had three hundred booked and two hundred and forty nine showed up. That's not which was going. which was a re- which was a record for them. And I think they had sixty uh, odd Fodens, and then plus everything in the general field. It that is good. That is good going there. There for all of that, like it's amazing because a, a substantial proportion of those ERFs will still be working trucks as well. Yeah, uh, Seaways had a few there, and uh, they, and I know a couple of them from Seaways, and they had loaded trailers dropped in dropped in the park. They were straight back up to work on Sunday night. <laughs> they were. Uh, it's, it's amazing how if you're devoted and you know what you're doing, that you can still keep these trucks r- trucks running. And that you know, I mean, a lot of people just never are going to encounter these ultra low emission zones, clean air zones, and and things like that. Was there anything there that you particularly liked that stood out to you? Yeah, there was a there was a fair few. There was uh, one. It was an E16. I think it's like one of the. Yeah, it was an e- E16. It had like a Gardner turbo in it, and it oh, was yeah, it was it, it was nigh on brand new. Yeah, because yeah. I think the Gardners went out on the. It was I think it was like the C or the D Reg. I think the last Gardner engines were put into put into things before. I think Perkins bought them over. Is that right? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Certainly not a lot of them going. Certainly not a lot of them going about anyway. So yeah, it's always you know a, a huge event that, and it was nice that it actually. I actually got the weather as well. So what was the other one? Were at, you were at Ripon and Masum. Yeah, Ma- yeah, it's uh, Ma- Masum. That's the one. That's this weekend just gone. I was there. I mean, it was raining on the Friday, and it would it couldn't decide what it was doing on the Saturday. Like it it nail it down for half an hour, and then it'd be nice and sunny, and then it nail it down again, and then uh, so- Sunday it was quite nice, and the ground there being on top of a quarry actually dried out rather nice, and uh, well, yeah. I-, I managed to get out without being towed out, but uh, the like the the ramp were all the the all all, all, all the low loaders parked. There was it was quite boggy, and a few of them had to get towed up the hill. 
Oh dear. Well, how's the how's the ERF getting on? It's a your it's an EC fourteen that you've got, isn't it? Ah, uh, that's the one. It's, uh, uh, not doing not doing too bad. It's uh, you say went. I didn't take anything to Kelsol. I just went unit only with the uh, the guy who's got my green truck now, and then uh, Matt. I took uh, my my major on the back of the low loader to mass him, and, and yes, it's all right. So get going. I mean, it's the best thing for them, you know. This this time you're getting about and using them regularly. You know, trucks are at their happiest when they're when they're get when they're getting a bit of use. I was, I was just bombing about in it solo when I first got it, and it wasn't running right, and then uh, we. Uh, we uh, threw a threw a loaded trailer on it. I think it had about twenty two ton on the back of a curtain cider, and then uh, took it up and down the road a bit, and then it was like a different truck after that. Yeah, give it a good clear out. Yeah, that's what you want. Uh, so, we, so you've had that to go. You got anything else in the diary going forward? I've got Driftfield in August, and then that's with the ERF as well. And uh, I think I'm. I think we're doing Newark with the uh, with the work wagons with the Volvos and in September, and I believe that'll be it for me. Oh, that's good. So how's how's work been go work been going anyway? How's uh, the Volvo you've got? It's an FH five hundred. Nice. Yeah, the uh, she's uh, still going going like a good one. Been mm-hmm. been up and down. It's well, I'm I'm home tonight. So currently sat in the yard with a flatbed on with uh, two drops for Southampton, and I'm meant to be doing a load of logs back up. So. Oh, that's a, no, that's a good run. Where have you, been, where have you been getting to? You've been uh, you've been back up to Scotland. Not for not for a big while. I mean, I did. Well, I've actually been today. I went up to uh, Coatbridge. Did a lot of racking up to Coatbridge. They're uh, fitting a new warehouse out, which was uh, a nice change. And then uh, covering the tankers, and then uh, mostly sort of like middle south and southeast sort of way. I do. What's the traffic? What's the traffic been like over the last sort of month month or so? Because it's been any time I've gone anywhere, I've tried to do anything. There's been crashes on the roads left, right, and centre. And of course, we've been summer now. We've got more caravans on the road, and I've seen a couple of them like line up, yeah, up on their side and things. One was in the A sixty eight at the bottom of Stainmore, where they'd obviously just let it roll on down the hill, and then the things. Things couped in, in that, you know. I think, uh, I thought, I honestly think a lot of people, I know that there are responsible caravan owners and a number of lorry drivers have got uh, caravans, but these are the guys who would probably go, you know, go and check their tyres for like their pressures and whether or not they're perished. I think a lot of people just took into caravans and they've sat for a year and just go and take them without thinking about it. Yeah, you can you can usually tell by what car's on the front of it as well. Yeah, I remember when I was wee, you would go you would go on holiday, we'd go away down south to like Western Super Mern things in the car and you'd get people who would pile like, you know, three kids, a dog and granny and an Austin Allegro and you would get people towing caravans with like the most like inappropriate cars, you know, just like things that could barely move up hills and they would overheat and everything like that, which isn't so much of a problem now, now like, but you know, what, what do you see touring caravans? It's a bit sketch. Yeah, usually you've got the, uh, the Vauxhall Insignia with the uh, twin, twin axle Bailey on the back of it. And it's, you know, it's, it's bending in the middle. It's sat on the rear arches and you think, mm, that's funny. I want, I, I've I, want, I, want to, I want to get, I want to get yeah. past you before you do something silly. Yeah, I've seen a couple of insignias actually being used as tow car, tow cars in that respect, you know. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I know that cars are a lot heavier than things now, but you know, I don't think people take into account the sway you can get in a trailer if you just go and creep your speed up just a little bit. I get it with the car trailer if it's like on the limit with the Omega, and once you get up, if you start hitting like just over sixty, it will start to get a little bit of a sway on. So if you're not paying attention, you know, it, it, it's um, 
it's easily done, and of course then it's like carnage after after that. But I, I think the accidents in the road this year personally have been worse than ever. I can't get moving any any time I go somewhere, whether it's in a car or a lorry, uh, and one of the major road networks has uh, got an accident on it. But people forgot to drive during COVID, and it's never been quite the same since then. Yes, I did uh, one. I did one down last week to uh, sort of like West Londonish, sort of like uh, Finchley and uh, Guildford way on, and. Uh, on my way down, it said animals in the road on the northbound side, and on my way back up, it still said animals in the road. Yeah, some of those so. signs never update properly either. Like, yeah, I think yeah. somebody goes away for their dinner and just leaves those signs on and then forgets about them like four hours later, it's still telling you telling you something like that. You know, I've never actually seen any sort of animals on the road when that sign's been put up. I've had, I've had recently a couple of times you get the 20 mile an hour limit on the overhead gantries and that means oncoming vehicle which um, I've never encountered that either thankfully with somebody going down, the, going down the wrong road but if it goes to 20 on the gantries that's generally what it means but, you know, yeah, I've, it I've seen it where they've forward. gone down to 30 before where they're having a rolling roadblock but I've never actually seen 20 on it yeah it was actually it was actually the ones in M25 so they didn't have cameras on them as well so they didn't have to like slow down to 20 which would be kind of dangerous on the motorway anyway with people come flying up behind flying up behind you and that anyhow yeah um, that one on the uh, on the M1 it still said animals in road and then it changed to accident because I think I think it was like a you know the stat the standard fast lane three car pile up, but then they stayed in the fast lane. It's like the one bit of the M one that has a hard shoulder on it, and then they stop in the in the outside lane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got I got caught behind that while the uh, the highways sort of told them where to go. Ridiculous, some of that stuff. Yeah, I need to go. Actually, I need to go and book. I've got lorries. Like I've got numerous lorries lined up. I ended up with a um, eye infection last week. I was thinking about sorting out that five sixty S from Keltruck, but. Um, I wear contact lenses and like maybe like once a year, maybe I can end up getting like, you know, a bit of a, so I get dirt in my eye or rub my eye and I'm always working on cars and stuff. But um, this time what I think happened was I was eating a packet of cheese and onion crisps and I tipped the bag back to go and like get the rest of it. Um, And I think a crumb of crisp went into my eye and I just rubbed it and didn't think about it. And then, yeah, for the whole of last week, it looked like... uh, I'd been like punched in the face. My eye was all like, you know, watery and closed up. So I thought I probably shouldn't go and book any lorries for the following week in case I can't see. <laughs> so, but that's a new one on me, like getting a, a bit of crisp causing causing that. So I've only just put my contacts in now. But I do have some lorries to light, lined up because I went to RTX um, the other week, which was our big. Our company's big road transport exhibition at Stonely, um, which was on last year on a Saturday. But, you know, the story goes, I had COVID then and couldn't attend it. So we ended up doing no trucking driver coverage whatsoever. So for this year, because it was a washout on the Saturday and there was nobody there, they just decided to keep it Wednesday to Friday. Did you see any of the promotional stuff for that as it was coming up? Yeah, apart from in in the magazine itself, I mean that's that's one I, I that's one I I don't really uh, 
sort of follow, to yeah, be it's, fair. It's, it's because it's basically, it's more set up for operators, to be fair, if you were a driver and you happened to have the week off and, you know, and you could get to it, it would be, well, it would be worth a go. I don't know if it's going to go on next year because it's supposed to run biannually um, and, like, sort of alternate between that big show is at the IAA in Hanover to alternate with that but I mean RTX is uh, it's, we had all seven truck manufacturers the heavies plus Isuzu plus with a whole load of trailer um, manufacturers like Van Hool weightlifter um, tyre companies um, and with like Palfinger there with big displays Hamar uh, and it was it was a good event we had to be there for three days and like the guys for commercial motor and motor transport had a lot of official stuff to do because there was this like sort of hall with the conferences and people speaking about various things and they had to go and take notes but I was free just to kind of do what I wanted so I managed to get around like all the truck manufacturers and that and see what see what lorries I could blag because there was a lot of interesting stuff there Volvo uh, had the first Euro 6F trucks that I've seen because you know how Euro, we started at Euro 6 and they started 2014 and then we've moved to, I think it was Euro 6D came in in 2017. Well, we're now just moving to F. And then we've got G and H to go before Euro 7. So your Volvo FH, if you get, like, ones that are coming in now, they have updated the iShift gearbox again. So apparently it's been further improved, which is interesting. Yours, yours is a standard iShift, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a standard iShift 500. And then uh, we have got... A brand new version five five four to come in, but then that was that was ordered last year, so I don't yeah, that, know whether that'll be that'll be, that'll that, be a no, that'll be Euro six E, I think. Yeah. Anything and then is the, like these were the, the very first examples. I don't even know that Euro six F was out, but yeah, Volvo had some really impressive stuff. They've painted their demo fleet in cosmic orange, which is like a bright metallic color. I think they had a, I think they've got like a five forty rear steer tag, a lightweight midlift FM, and a turbo compound FH midlift as well as an FH 16 eight before like it's either 150 or 180 tons so they had some really interesting stuff on display Scania had a very interesting truck they had an S series but it had the CS23 cab now normally the cab designation is CS20 the 23 stands for the extra 30 centimetres because they've extended the cab back behind the air kit. So now it's got like a massive bed in it. So the kind of the interior space is more kind of akin to the DAF XG Plus, which is interesting. But there was a lot of interest in that truck, but you can't buy one yet. I think there's two in the country which have come in and they've gone into service for a couple of operators, a couple of really lucky guys. But these aren't like the final production versions. Scania is going to be having an interior update on the trucks for later on in twenty twenty four. I think you'll be getting more kind of digital dash and some adjustments to the the switch gear and things. But yeah, these trucks are actually it's bizarre because of the overall length limits on trucks and things. They haven't the finalised version hasn't come in yet. So there's like a sort of a derogation. Is that the right word in place? Whereby you're not you can't really pull a forty five foot trailer, but the overall length of the truck isn't different. Stupid EU bollocks regulations there. So even though you couldn't tell the difference of the cab looking at it from the front or the side, that little extension behind the air kit, 
makes alterations to things. But the final version of it will be coming out third quarter of 2024. And you can have it with an R cab as well. So you can have an extended R and an extended S, which is uh, going to be exciting for a lot of the Scania guys and fans. I'm sure they'll be excited to get their order in for one of them. Wouldn't like to speculate on how much extra it costs, but um, it was. You did notice the difference in in, in the uh, cab having that bit of extra space. Have you been in a DAF XG? I haven't. No, the uh, the last DAF I drove was uh, was my uh, my orange CF no, right, on the supermarkets. Yeah, <laughs> bit of a difference. <laughs> I mean, but to be fair to the CF space cab for a truck in that you know uh, that bracket, that was a good sized cab. That you could. You could live in one you of them. You could still you could still stand yeah. up in it. The only the only problem is the steering wheel adjustment on the DAF isn't isn't brilliant. So nah. depending what size you were, the steering wheel would get in the way. Yeah, the, the hump in the middle was quite large and modern size. But I always liked the CF cab. But, well, main, I had more experience of it in a way with the Fodens, but uh, yeah, same same cab basically. But I mean, with the XG, just having that little bit of extra space behind you, it just extends the cab out, and it just you know. It makes such a difference, and that's Scania moved to that. So I wonder what other manufacturers are going to look into getting these larger size cabs as well. Because if that, you know, for guys that are away for multiple weeks at a time, that really can make a difference for that. For even like one week at a time, traditional trampers, you know, it, it makes life easier and it improves sort of your quality of life on the road as well. Although you you don't really you wouldn't really notice it until you've had that sort of cab yeah it's, it's interesting times and we've got a lot of updates happening with trucks um what else is there at rtx renault were pushing the turbo compound range t's big time they're 480 horsepower plus 2700 newton meters of torque which has got like an updated opti driver gearbox in it as well they i think they'll do all right out of them um the latest turbo compound uh, versions of the Volvo seem to be even better on fuel than the first ones. Um, I've been hearing some, Bob Beach was telling me about some crazy fuel returns, uh, like the brand new versions of them are getting. You're talking like, you know, 12, 13 miles to the gallon and trucks that not that long ago would be getting like nines, which is nuts without a big um, ad blue penalty. So I think the Renaults will do... Um, well out that turbo compound thing. I can get my hands on one of them as well which I'd be um, looking forward to. Um, have you, dri you driven any range T's? Yeah, I've only driven one in the yard. I haven't had one on the road. Yeah. I that, do was a, that, was a, that was a standard T range, and it was, uh, well, to me, it reminded me of the old premium. Like, there's there's not really that much room in it compared with some other equivalents. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the standard T's can have sort of mid-size cab. I suppose it's most directly comparable with the your R series, the DAF XF, you know, because like some of the other um, ones, like an S way is bigger, like an FH is bigger, an FM smaller, so it kind of sits in an in between kind of size there. Yeah, I mean, the, the Renaults are always good to drive, and the steering column adjustment improved things massively. But I do, I, I was a bit disappointed when they brought out the Evolution version, but they still don't supply the extended dash that you get in the left hand drive ones and right hand drive. They're the only truck maker that has a variation on the dash like that. And there is the cab could do with an update now with, you know, I know that Iveco have got a big cab update coming, Scania's got a big cab update coming, DAF have just done theirs. 
um, the MA engine. I do wonder if the Renault is now the oldest sort of cab interior on the market, and I would imagine that they must have quite a major update uh, in the offing for that before too long. And I'm interested to see if we did get the left-hand drive dash. Now, if I think, I'll go through the manufacturers, RTX. I've mentioned Volvo, Scania, Renault. Iveco had some uh, nice S-ways there, but nothing we've not spoken spoken about before, um, really. Um, MAN had the new mirror cam system there called OptiView, which looked fine, looks like it'll work well and everything like that, but still, no, I'd still rather have normal mirrors. They had a plastic tipper, um, not as in like a plastic lorry, but a plastic tipping body, which I thought was pretty interesting. And it was getting used to move like rocks and boulders for Cornwall. Uh, I've never seen that before, but apparently it was absolute, you know, the, the perfect thing for the job. That wasn't a TGS. Um, who else, who else, who else? Yeah, Daffod the XD there, um, the new compact uh, cab truck replacing the CF. Um, that's 11 litre only, uh, but, you know, for the vast majority of applications for those trucks and what they'll get used for, that's just the job for that. You need something a bit bigger from DAF, get an XF. Um, oh, yeah, must, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few XDs, XDs about now. They're, uh, I'd say they're becoming rather popular. Yeah, I would imagine they'll, they'll go into the fleets in, like, massive... Uh, massive quantities. Um, I know the, the 11 litre tops out at 450 brake, but that's going to the 11 litres, like, argue it's a more modern engine than MX 13 anyway. So, the, the likes of your eight wheelers and things, and you know, I mean, even even if you're not running nailed to the ground at 44 tons all the time, that, that'll do the job really well. And uh, as I'd mentioned previously about that blue XG I had from Watch Truck and Van, if you can get the eco performance gearbox software. Uh, then it completely transforms the way that they drive. The things pull. The things are so um, responsive, and it doesn't seem. Uh, it doesn't really come with a fuel penalty uh, on it as well. There's a lot of different adju adjustments you can make to them in terms of like the diff ratio and the gears box software that really can liven up a DAF. Mm. What else? What else? Merck, uh, Mercedes have had a really low profile for. Quite a while now with trucks. I actually went and drove a Merc, as, an electric Merc as well, uh, not an RTX, but um, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. They had the new Actros 3, Edition 3, has just come out. That's going to be another limited run of high spec Actrosses. And the guys from CUDA had the first one in the country on their stand, and they'd done some customizing work to it. They've put in, which is interesting stuff for anybody that drives an Actros because they've got a massive set of rear lockers. Uh, on the back of the on the back of the cab wall, like huge, the biggest set of rear lockers I've seen. Uh, they had a bespoke smart TV as well, which is all done to Cuda's design, um, and you could hook up, you know, different devices to it. You could probably hook up a PlayStation Five to it, no, no problem at all. And it's got like good um, signal. It's not like a caravan telly. Uh, they put a microwave in it, some catwalks and things. So that that was a, a really really nice looking actress. I must say, I'd like the plush leather. Really nice soft plush leather seats in it and everything like that. 630 horsepower, top of the range, their turbo compound engine. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Merck are really, really kind of, you know, the most of the people that you speak to about them is uh, that they've not been really great with the parts supply recently. 
Um, but it looks like they've, they've done a lot of updates to the Actros recently in terms of the drive line and the, the power shift power shift gearbox. So it would be it'll be interesting to see uh, how those um, trucks uh, f filter in because Actrosses aren't as prevalent on the road as they used to be ten years ago when the MP4 came out and nobody could beat the American fuel because it could get ten miles with a gallon. Aye. Um, oh yes, and I drove that I drove an electric truck. Um, a rigid Merc, which was on the um, EV rally. I got to have a little shot of it over from um, the far side of Edinburgh, just back to where I live, just to get a quick drive in it. And um, you know what? It's once you're on the road. Once you, aside from when you've pulled away or like come a stop and it's silent, it just feels like a normal lorry. It just, there's not very much noise off it, but you don't exactly get much engine noise off a normal truck anyway. It was like a, it was a 26 ton sort of variant, um, rigid. And yeah, it was like, oh, right, these things will work perfectly fine for certain, you know, distribution jobs and things like that. But one thing that was notable about, when I came out, it was parked at a park and ride uh, site, which has got electric charging on it and left the truck and charge overnight, and the charger cut off and left the truck at 59%. So that meant that they had to go and drive it over to the ferry and get it to, like, Belfast. And the truck has a good amount of range on it, but you can see where the potential problems are going to lie with that, can't you? Because you've come out, left it all night, and it hasn't fully charged. Uh, and that's the sort of unreliability of a lot of these charging infrastructure things where you never can be guaranteed what is going to happen. What if you were on like 10% charge? That would mean that you would miss a ferry, potentially. So, you know, if you, do you see much in the way of electric vehicles like cars and things around your way? Not so much around my way because we're still somewhat rural, but then you go like close to the big cities like uh, York and Leeds, there's a bit more there. And then uh, as uh, for electric wagons, I've, well, I've, Volvo are getting that new FM demo out. And uh, as for on the road, there's the... Uh, like the, the old shape CS, but ele electric form, the big Amazon at Milton Keynes, I think they've got four of them now. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what they I don't know what they exactly yeah, do, but like every time I pass, yeah. there's always at least one plugged in. So Yeah, well I know that Tesco put one on the road, a Volvo and a Blazer publicity, and they said, you know, we don't run the trucks and set routes, so it needs to do everything. But you know, a Tesco the I mean, down south, a Tesco distribution truck isn't gonna go that far. In Scotland you could get a run up to Wick, you know. But and so, you know, these trucks will work for the purpose they're intended, but I mean, they cost three times the price of a diesel one, so it's a hard investment unless you're the size of Tesco or Amazon, um, and unless you've got like set routes to put them on. Um, and obviously, electric was a big thing at RTX, but so was diesel, you know. There was a whole raft of these excellent new diesel trucks there as well. I, I tell you, it was difficult for the truck manufacturers they have to go and build, like invest really, really heavily in all these electric trucks and all the technology for the future, while at the same time, they're also being required to spend billions on getting to Euro 7 because the regulations for that are really tough. But is it fair to make them spend billions to get to Euro 7 when the government in the EU laughably think that they're going to stop the sale of petrol and diesel trucks. Uh, so petrol and diesel trucks. They're going to get, get rid of the sale of diesel trucks by like 2035. That's going to come to a stop. 
it's not fair on the truck makers to have to invest in all that technology, which they're going to say is going to be obsolete. But of course, you and I and everybody else listening to this knows that it's not going to happen. I mean, what, what are they going to do? Put a charging point in every lay-by in the land? Well, the th- I spoke to a truck dealer when I was at RTX, and because they were getting, like, they might be encountering some electric trucks, they have to get a charging point put in. That's 85 grand. And, you know, there's, there has to be a whole load of surveys done to see how you can get it off the grid and how you install it. And you'll notice that the government's making no investment in the grid or power generation at the moment. We're going to need more power, but they're shutting power stations. And they've got this fanciful sort of idea that you can do it with renewables. And all the solar panels and wind turbines are made with components in China anyway, out of fossil fuels, as we've mentioned before. But uh, yeah, the charging infrastructure is going to cost trillions to get to get in for all these things and with trucks it's just going to be so so complicated every motorway services will need to have a substation attached to it as in like a full one of those scary things that you don't want to fly a kite into and that because you're going to get like electrocuted like in the old public service videos <laughs> probably before your time yeah yeah i do, I do vaguely recall yeah. Recall them. I just uh, I just caught the tail end of the uh, the big telly wielding in school with all the scary safety videos. Yeah, and... yeah, that was uh, the teacher that was so stupid they didn't know how to work the top loading VHS video, like bringing the wood panel telly, and it was you know to watch uh, you watch uh, watch uh, some of those programs. God, they were awful. Remember, oh, there was like music music time, a lot of weird stuff. I think it was recorded like back in the really early eighties, but we were watching it in like the nineties. So it seemed like surreal and ancient even back then. I was probably still watching it in 2004. It might have been the same video. <laughs> it probably was. Where were we? Yeah, this, elect- this electric stuff. I, I am impressed with how the truck manufacturers are building these trucks. But another issue that we've got to have is the weight as well. Because we're running six by two tractor units in the UK, electric trucks are much heavier, you can't get the batteries into a six by two chassis as easily, so you need to have a complete reorganisation of the rules and regulations to allow these trucks to run heavier and run the four by two tractor units. Otherwise, none of it's going to, you know, none of it's going to work or make sense or anything like that. I said, what major infrastructure projects are there in? the UK at the moment, apart from HS2 and a couple of stupid bits of smart motorway which are going to be getting finished off. There aren't any. So it's like, well, where where is the infrastructure and where is the power generation going to come to for all of this stuff? Um, I see Sadiq Khan's, uh, the, the ULES extension is being charged in court uh, and it's all over YouTube that the, the, the ULES thing's actually a Trojan horse for road pricing. So they put these cameras everywhere and they're going to charge everybody to drive per mile in London. And then that will attempt to be rolled out across the whole of the UK. If, if they really start rolling out all this stuff and start making like creating fuel shortages and trying to get cars off the road, I'm moving to somewhere in Africa or something. And I'm not joking. I hear Botswana is lovely. Like it is, I must be able to get a job by a truck manufacturer in a developing market. And bear in mind that we go and like take all the Euro 5 equipment, even Euro 6 equipment off trucks in the UK, move it back to Euro 3, and then go and transport it all over to Africa. Well, what's the point of that? You know, if, we, if we're not... 
supposed to be using them there? Why, why aren't we investing in helping Africa and developing countries uh, modernize their infrastructure and clean up? Because that would have so much more, make so much more of a difference to overall emissions than trying to scrape the tiniest fractions of the UK, where the vast majority of vehicles are all low emissions and very clean and cheap, you know? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's the thing. And uh, with uh, building the infrastructure and that, the amount of time, effort and money and emissions that's going to go to building the infrastructure, it's not really going to be worth it in the end, to be fair. No, absolutely. All those wind... I did a lot of job in the tipper running stuff into wind farms uh, to put these turbines up. And it must be like billions of litres of diesel to go and build or get all these things in from constructing the access roads, putting all the quarry materials in running all the stuff up, up to there it costs so much i don't I'm sure there's statistics out there that these things never even really pay for themselves overall you know <laughs> yeah i've no i've no words for it i'm just going to yeah, keep going as i am for as long as i can to yeah, be honest well, was, you, yeah because i mean what is it you've got a course of exr eh? hey how are you getting on with that yeah yeah uh, well i probably bought it at the worst possible time i bought it like the week before the fuel prices went silly well, they've kind of, I know that they've, they've come back down a bit now, even though it's a rip-off, but you can get super unleaded for about 150 a litre, uh, but down from, like, it was nearly about £2 a litre at the at the peak, like. No, dude, yeah. so your car's standard as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, completely standard, but then the, the only trouble is, because I live, I live so close to work, it uh, it doesn't really get doesn't really go far enough to actually get decent fuel mileage on it. I mean, the odd time I do a trip, trip out in it, mm-hmm. it's... Not too bad, but going to work and back, you can you can tell. Yeah. I mean, they're quite ra- they're quite rare as well in standard form. Course of VXRs, like it'd probably be the best value, and it would be to leave it standard. Yeah, I, ma- I made the rule. I'm I'm not going to tamper with it. I'm going to leave it as it is. Good man, good man. I went and bought another car the other week as well. But um, yeah, we're just going to veer off into cars here for a little bit. Yeah, I went and bought uh, the the world's most uh, well uh, probably one of the country's most obscure cars. I went and bought myself a Cadillac, but it's really a Saab. It's called a Cadillac BLS, which is based on the Saab 93 Aero. Uh, so 255 horsepower, 58,000 miles, cream leather, electric everything, £2,100. Get in. The downside to that is it's £690 a year to tax it. Um, and because the tax brackets and these things make no sense either I've got a little 1.4 Corsa which is about 100 odd quid a year to tax but it can't go into the ULES zones but my big thirsty 2.8 V6 Turbo can go into the ULES zones because of fortune to tax it's just a rip everywhere <laughs> everywhere you look at it yeah the uh, the hilarious thing about the VXR it's more expensive to tax and insure than what my ERF is <laughs> Oh, that's just motivating you to go and start driving about in the ERF and going to the shops and it and things. <laughs> yeah, I've been known to do that once or twice before. Yeah, it's, it's good for it's good fun rocking up to the shops in a lorry. I used to do it on my food and sometimes as well. I used to take the run the tractor unit round to the shops and I was down at Kingspan going park in the Tesco car park. <laughs> plans for the rest of the week i mean you this is tuesday night we're recording this and you're going to be if you're going down to southampton tomorrow um i guess you're not going to be making it back home although i don't know i don't know you're going to be away out for the rest of the week you reckon yeah i'm definitely going to be out tomorrow i've got my uh delivery out of southampton that i'm collecting out of you know, somewhere near 
Crawley, I believe, to go to go back up to Newark, which I'll, I'll get some of the way up to Newark tomorrow and then deliver that the next day. And then uh, I'll either be home the day after or I'll be running off with something the day the day after. Ah, oh, nice. Oh, it's nice to be kept busy. Like I am going to have to go and look in to see what lorries can I get my grubby mitts on. I've got Keltrucks 560S that I need to do something with. Um, Bob Beach has went and claimed that 540 rear steel tag, so I'll probably get the FH or the FM. I've got the DAF XD 4 by 2 I'm going to do some Kingspan with. I think Jamie from Merck said I could get that Actros Edition 3, so I'll be having a shot of that. And um, yeah, I think um, Stuart Oliver mentioned they've got a 640 TGX, the new shape, and uh, the, the, the chap that drives it. Um, when he goes on holiday next, I might be able to go and uh, cover that, use that when he's away. So that'll be good. I really want to get my hands on one of those uh, new top top spec MANs because I've still never done a proper driving one. Although I think I might be taking one of the new MAN roadshow trucks, which might even be the one with the OptiView on it. I think I might be taking that down from Truckfest Scotland once it's finished to Haydock, I think. But I don't know how they're going to get me back up the road. They can cram it if they think they're putting me on a train. Just go and find another car to buy. <laughs> Doubt them drive it back. No, yeah, spe- speaking speaking of, how much had you had when you filmed the beginning of that Cadillac video? Oh, yeah, well, right. Well, uh, for dear listeners, um, if you go into YouTube and look at Once Driven Forever Smitten and look at the Cadillac videos, yeah, I decided to get into character, no drink at all. I just uh, decided to do a bit of comedic acting and do a skit uh, in which I introduced my uncle Bubba from the United States with it being a Cadillac, even though it's not an American Cadillac. But yes, it, a lot of people said that that was very funny and they enjoyed it. Like, I'm a bit disappointed that the views haven't got over 10,000 yet because my Saab video, when I got that, so I'm like 44,000 now. But yeah, please, yeah, go and check that out. The first 10 minutes of that is me dressed up with a pair of thick bow selector specs, a cowboy hat, and... Um, um, Shut um talking in a real good old-fashioned American accent, because I'm your Uncle Bubba. Yeah. Like that for ten minutes basically. So, you know. Good yes, check. It's when you're it's check when you're it trying out. to convince when you're trying to convince the one behind the counter in the in the shop that those glasses are actually not for you. Mm-hmm. No, well actually I bought like a few pairs of them. You can get them off of Amazon. And I, yeah, I've got a, a couple of pairs of them. Yeah, people have been asking if my uncle's going to make a comeback on the YouTube channel, and I'm like, uh, maybe I'll have a think. I've got I've got a car run called the Cannon Boss Run to do at the end of August, um, and I was going to take the Cadillac to that. And somebody was saying, uh, "Will you be in character?" And I was like, "Well, if you donate, if we got a hundred quid in donations to the Marfan Trust, I'll go in character for the whole day." <laughs> Final thing, just to go and um, close the podcast up as we get to the 45 minute mark, you mentioned when we were talking before that the truck stop at Crew is being closed. Apparently. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, well, apparently this has been a thing for a while that uh, yeah. HS, HS2 wanted their, wanted their yard to like run, run the network rail thing from and they were trying to find an alternative spot but as such they haven't found one so Great, so they're just taking over the bloody crew truck stop temporarily. Yeah, um, I mean, they have said once they can find somewhere alternative, they will try and uh, reopen, yeah, but uh, as, and, as and when that'll happen, I don't know. I found a news thing here. Network Rail buys crew truck stop as part of future plans for the town. The site has been acquired as a rail firm seeks to expand its operations. 
Um, the 4-acre site has been described as a strategic acquisition to support future projects. The existing operators of the truck stop have taken a short-term lease back and continue will use it until Network Rail requires the site for its own operational uses later this year. Speaking about the disposal, we originally acquired the site for a long-term client over 20 years ago, says the director at Lega Owen, and are pleased to be involved in its subsequent sale. Crew has a huge amount of future potential with a significant amount of investment and development in the pipeline. Yeah, but you won't be getting any of that happening, will you, if you don't have any lorries to bring the stuff in to build your investments, to redevelop the train station. Um, this site is a strategic acquisition... Blah, 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 blah. Purchase of the truck stop. Um, yeah, it doesn't say anything about like getting any extra truck parking in the area or anything like that. So that's another truck stop lost. What a load of bullshit, eh? And the, I know, I think, the, that's, the I think that's three it, that we, yeah. I think that's three that we've lost in the space of a yeah. year. Like, yeah. Haywood's gone, which is... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, to, broke my heart to hear that Lockerbie's gone. Yeah, Lockerbie's and, uh, now gone. That one, and the thing of that news report, they're gleeful about it. They're like, yeah, fantastic, you know, don't want these lorries here. Yeah, but you're going to need lorries. So the thing, you know, it just keeps... Um, you're going to say, you're, you're right next to the main drag between Manchester and Birmingham. You've probably got the most lorries in the land going down there. Yeah, I mean, it's, a re- it's a really busy area there. So there's no provision made for made for anything else there. They're just like, yeah, Network Rail are going to use it for strategic services. Uh, just ridiculous it is farcical the lack of truck parking especially you drive down the M6 look at how many green fields there are at the sides of you there's no reason why you couldn't cut a slip road into a field and go and put a tarmac it down and just leave it as a big area with truck parking put some shovels in have a couple of guys on security it's not difficult but then yeah it just seems that from having that chat with the roads minister Richard Holden at the start of the year and how there was investment in extra facilities well you know, we're not seeing truck stops open um, as much as we're seeing them shut. You know? Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is a new one that's opened recently in Newcastle, but then I think that's only little. I think they've only got like 30 spaces, which it's it, it's better than no, but, uh, yeah. you know, we kind of need more. Yeah, we don't, the thing is, we don't necessarily need mega truck stops either, but hundreds and hundreds of spaces if we can have, you know, lots of little ones. You know, if we've got like plenty of 30s, 50s knocked about all all over the place, and that would be great. Newcastle did need, does need truck parking. Like, there's very few options up there for the size of the for the size of the place. Anyway, um, I've ended up parking in Team Valley a couple of times down there because it's just. Uh, I don't. I don't mind it so much on Team Valley. No, so it's all right because I did ask online if it was all right to do that and there's like security vans driving about there at the night and there's quite a lot of like um f- there's some factories and things that can are open like 24 hours so you've got kind of vehicles coming and going and it's well the bits i went in were well lit so it was all right but you know it's just you know you see all these new mega sites getting built on the side of the m1 no truck parking and facilities attached to them it's just same old shit really eh? nothing ever yeah. Nothing I mean, about kind of particularly changes with any of this stuff. I mean, to be honest, you don't really need sort of like a, a proper truck stop, to be fair. I mean, no. obviously, more, more would be nice, but then say, well, now Haywood's gone. I, well, it's, I've, tended to park, I've tended to park on the industrial estate before, but yeah. then that's double that's double yellow lines most of the way around, and there's mm-hmm. only like a, 
a bit near the end that you can fit four yeah, or five trucks in, but the entire spot's three lanes wide all the way around. Yeah, it's bollocks that. Eh? It's just, you know, it, there's no willingness to go and, like, help with things like that as well. So, no, there's no facilities, you know, there's no toilet facilities or anything like that. Well, you know, you could go and build, like, a very, you know, solid vandal-proof toilet and that, you know. I, when we was at... Um, when I was in, a, in America and Europe and Canada, they've got rest areas, you know, because most drivers are self-sufficient now and everything. They don't need food. They don't need a shop and things like that. And it is great at times when you can get into some of the fully loaded truck stops, you know, because it's dug me out of trouble a few times when I'm going to get tools or workwear and things. But there could be plenty of scope just to have a rest area, you know, with very, you know, basic stainless steel prison spec toilet pans in it and all that. Um, uh, and just parking with, a, with just some uh, base level sort of security and it's something like that, somebody to monitor the site. You don't, we don't want much at all. We just, you know, the bare minimum, you know, truck drivers aren't necessarily all that hard to please in those respects, but there's no real kind of willingness uh, to go and deal, deal with a lot of these problems as well. But, you know, all of, the politicians are just off their heads. Anyway, they, they do not live in the real world. Did you see that it was the Spanish climate minister, this woman turned up to the COP28 conference, flew in in a private jet, got a limo to the conference, 100 yards away from going into the conference, got on a bicycle and cycled it in to go, look, uh, look at me, like virtue signaling, and she got caught for it. And it's, these people are just pathetic. They've got no idea or scope yes. of anything that's going on anything that's going on in the real world and the people that actually supply them all the things that they need, the people that didn't like just stay at home for months and months and months when COVID was on and got things done. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a complete fast at COP26. I was, oh, Glasgow. I, was I, I was on my way. Yeah. I was on my way down when they were setting it up and I believe I counted a hundred vans from Kent police on the way up, like all oh, big yeah. long wheelbase crafters and sprinters. Oh Yeah. Totally. Joe Biden goes and flies in his own fleet of Cadillacs and um, Chevys and that, and they all come off Air Force One and drive down the motorway. And, and, and yeah, that was a massive waste of money. Glasgow's really untidy in a lot of ways now because the SNPs just run it into the ground. And there's a lot of litter and mess everywhere. And what they did was they went and cleaned up all the streets before COP26 and then they bust in a load of diesel generators and put them all in one of the big parks there so it was all lit up nice at night. But... Hey-ho. Anyway, just to round things off, our magazine came out last week, which is our MAN special, um, which has uh, been doing well. We've got a fantastic set of features in there for all you MAN fans. Uh, I'm sure there's quite a few of you out there. Um, heavy haul stuff, tippers, lightweights, pallet stuff, trunkers, race trucks. Really pleased with the way that came out. It's the second of our 132-page bumper issues it's, we've got four of them to do this year we've got volvo and daft to do as well so it's gone really well and there's a fantastic prize in there as well that you can win in a competition but it's um you got a whole load of vip treatment to go into one of the truck race events and i think you might even get to go out in one of the trucks i need to go and read that again but anyway yeah check out the new magazine it's fantastic it's also packed up we've got daft volvo scania in there as well a whole mix of fantastic stuff and uh, thank you for your support and everything with the podcast and the magazine going forward. And thank you, Niall, for um, coming on the podcast again. It's been good to catch up with you. Hey, hey, you was you was well. Uh, good stuff, man. Right, I shall catch you later. All right, cheers now. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. 
To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.